ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It's Monday, November 2nd. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, whole true great taste. It's only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up this hour, we're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni. We're going to hear from Doc Holliday. Zoom is uh, the new craze across the country, and on a couple of those today, I'm going to save some of the basketball stuff for later this week. Uh, Actually got to talk to Jansen Williams today, and that was pretty cool. We haven't talked to him in a while, so uh, you'll probably hear that tomorrow, Uh, but I'm going to focus on Doc Holliday's presser as coming up this week, the Thundering Herd back in action. Can you believe it? Marshall's finally got a football game, so... We're going to get into that. We'll get the details from Doc later on. We'll hear from Dan. As We don't know when the non-conference schedule is going to start just yet. It's and We could get it tomorrow. We could get it maybe a week before it actually starts. It could be late November. It could be early December. It could not happen at all. We don't know if we're going to get a conference. Um, well, we're going to get a non-conference schedule. So I don't know. And, of course, Tomorrow is election day for those of you who have not early voted, so there's an opportunity for you tomorrow to get your voice heard, and we're going to have complete coverage of that tomorrow evening starting at 7.06 right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So uh, we'll hear from the crew over at Metro News. Uh, We're going to turn things over to them for several hours tomorrow uh, since this is a weird time of the year. 2020, it basically knocked everything out. Usually, we might have an NBA game or something on on a Tuesday, on an election night. We might have something like that. Nothing. I couldn't find anything, really. I mean, we got Monday Night Football coming up tonight, and that's cool. And we'll have that for you coming up at 7.30. But still, not much sports-wise. Uh, basketball, we don't know when that's going to start. College basketball, that is. So we don't know when the NHL is going to ramp back up, maybe after December, maybe probably January. You don't know when the NBA is going to ramp up. we got the NFL, of course, and it progresses on, and college football. And how weird was that? Again, didn't have a herd game on Saturday. So what do we do? What do we want? I really I took this as an opportunity not to watch college football. I mean, I looked at some stuff. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong, but I wasn't actively watching this weekend. I, mean, I, I used this time actually just okay. This is an opportunity for me to get some things done because we're not going to have that opportunity. We're going to have several games here in the next few weeks, and uh, we're going to have more added because, of course, Conference USA moving the championship game back a couple of weeks. And the American Football Championship game is going to be moved back to the 19th as well. So they're going to have a couple of weeks to probably get some games in. And we just found out today that Charlotte has added November 14th, the home game with Gardner-Webb, as according to Brett McMurphy and Stadium. So games are still being added. The Herd, if everything goes well, Marshall's going to play pretty much throughout And we're going to hear from Don Holliday in a few minutes how grateful he is. The fact that the Herd's got a game. 
Think of it this way. If Marshall didn't make a schedule change here, Hurd would be sitting out waiting. Seriously. The Hurd would have been just sitting out waiting to play on the 14th because the way the schedule was set up originally. But now Marshall can play and don't have to wait several weeks before they play again. So UMass coming in to Jones C. Edwards Stadium, Thundering Herd remaining ranked. And by the way, you don't play and you're ranked even higher. You're ranked 16th in the AP. You're ranked 15 in the coaches poll. So you're ranked even higher now. Thundering Herd should maintain those rankings. Uh, I believe UMass will not give Marshall much of a fight. I mean, they'll come out and play, but they're not going to be really. I mean, I saw the line earlier. It, it, looked, it looked really really big. I don't know if that's going to hold, but I mean, here again, another situation where you get a team, not much film, if any, and so you're going back and you're going to hear, I'm just going to preface this now, Doc's got to go back again and, and look at film from other teams and coaches, what their tendencies are, trying to piece this together and figure out what kind of team is coming in. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Marshall's got to play its own brand of football, dictate the pace, set the tone, and do all those coach cliche things to win this game. I mean, plain and simple. So that's what we've got coming up. And, of course, later on we're going to hear from Dan and Tony talk basketball. Because, again, we don't know. It could come out tomorrow and we could be talking about games all throughout the month of December, maybe late November, or we're just waiting until December 31st, New Year's Eve, and the day after on January 2nd to talk about those games at La Tech. And honestly, right now with the landscape, how the virus has progressed, and certain areas of the country are worse than others, and I'm going to be honest with you. Some schools are doing it better than others. Some are doing everything they possibly can, and still they're having problems with the virus right now. You could see basically your conference slate, and that's it. That could be across the board for the most part. Conferences decide, okay, only conference games, conference tournament, and get into the tournament that way. It's not a bad plan for this season, and you still get several games. Sure, you miss out on those money games. You miss out on those marquee matchups. You miss out on all of that. And now that you're seeing several tournaments being thrown by the wayside or at least not being played, because, again, it comes down to testing protocol and you know how, how much is too much for you in your particular situation. If you play Marshall, you got to test three times. If you play Marshall and you're coming to Jones C. Edwards Stadium, you are testing three times. You are adhering to the Conference USA protocols. And you're going to hear a little bit about that. Doc talks about that, but that's the standard. And same thing with basketball. If you're you're playing on the road, you're going to have to adhere to the other conferences' standards. And, of course, for the most part, Conference USA is uh, in line with everybody else or at least the, the larger conferences. But some of these smaller schools – they're going to play. If you're going to play that, you're going to have three tests a week. And really, I don't know what the sequence is for basketball. If you're going to, for for the conference schedule, you can do it a little bit better because, of course, you're going to play two games against one opponent every week. You're going to play two games, one opponent, and so you can keep a testing pattern there for the most part. But 
You're going to have other schools come in if you're doing a non-conference schedule, and how's that going to actually work in reality here? Or you're going to go on the road for anything, and you know what's the sequence, what's the testing protocol going to look like? I mean, so many questions here. I'm sure they're working it all out right now. But when we come back from break, we're going to talk football. Doc Holliday is weekly press conference, so we're going to get that. Later on, we're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni. We'll work your phone calls in later on the program as well. Hey, it's also a good day for me. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet because, well, I'm not used to it. The Bengals won yesterday. The Bengals get a victory over a team with a winning record, beating the Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow's getting better. At one point, the Bengals were getting into the red zone and actually scoring. They were generating turnovers. And they put together an offensive line with a bunch of guys that I could probably grab here from the office pool over here, the radio core. I could grab some guys over here in some cubicles, and we could have, on paper, been as effective, and the offensive line did its job. Joe Burrow was better protected than he's ever been as a Cincinnati Bengal. I Seriously, I was worried that he was going to be murdered on the job and have his career over before it even began, the way they were not protecting him. And so, much better performance. I was actually happy. I got to sit down, watch a football game, and be happy about it on Sunday. And the Browns lost, by the way. Ravens lost, too. Sorry, the Steelers won. Can't do anything about that. But, hey, the Browns lost, the Ravens lost, the Bengals won. Pretty good day. I enjoyed it. So, who day? Doc Holiday when we continue coming up on this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, welcome back. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Today's Monday. That means uh, plenty of Zoom calls for me, and that means you get to listen to them as well. Doc Holliday kicking things off his weekly press conference. Doc, of course, going on Mondays now because, well, it's 2020. You can do anything you want. And he talks a little bit about the game itself and some preparations and testing protocol. He gets into all of that. And, of course, we start out, as we always do, Doc Holliday talking about his starters, who he's going to have his captains, and his opening statement. Uh, just uh, anxious to you know go play a game again. Of course, after the week off, uh, our captains this week will be uh, Kobe and Beckett on defense. Uh, will be Knox, Sheldon, and Kane Madden on offense. Uh, so we'll rely on those guys for great leadership this week and have a great week of preparation. But I know we're looking forward to weather's going to be great and uh, looking forward to having a home game here at home. And uh, I know kids are excited to go play a game. Well, Doc, it seems like a broken record, but you're you're going up against another opponent that uh, only has one game under their belt. It seems like that's happened to you four or five times this year. And does it make it especially difficult considering that, that UMass's opponent was Georgia Southern last time, especially, you know, from a defensive standpoint, Georgia Southern runs such a funky offense? Well, there's no question. I mean, you know, they're an option team. And, you know, that being said, you know, we had to go way back to, you know, when their coordinator, when it was Eastern Kentucky and, other places these coaches have been, so at Florida State and South Florida, et cetera. So, you know, to get an idea of what we're going to get. But, uh, 
you know, it's the same old, like, I know I sound like a broken record, but, uh, you know, here we are with a lot of unknowns again for the for this game here because they only do have one game under their belts. So, you know, we'll go back and study them and, and, and work hard and, and uh, make sure we're prepared. But again, it's going to be early on in that game, there's going to be a lot of adjustments that are going to have to be made, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. So we got to make sure we do a great job of doing that. What did you see? I'll say, how difficult is it for you to prepare for an opponent when you don't have a lot of film, there's not a lot to go off of, and you're going off of results that maybe occurred in, in past years? Well, I mean, it's, there's no doubt it's difficult. And, you know, from a personnel standpoint as well, you don't have a whole lot of tape on them as far as their personnel is concerned. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing, I think when you get in a situation like this, you just got to worry about yourself. You know, us as a football team, you know, it's you know we got a standard that we have to play up to. And, uh, you know, we've got to get better as a team. And uh, we got to make sure that uh, we do what we do really well in all three phases and, and then have the ability, you know, on offense, defense, and special teams when adjustments need to be made that we get those adjustments made from a coaching standpoint. So I, I mentioned before, I think the big thing is, is we got a veteran group up front offensively. That's where it all starts. You know, with those guys up front having to make adjustments as far as their defense is concerned. And then, you know, on special teams, we're just going to do what we do and try to do it really well, you know. And then, of course, uh, you know, offensively, uh, like I said, we got that group up front and uh, we just got to, like I say, line up and make sure that we're prepared and, and ready to go and, and able to make adjustments when we have to. Doc, is the uh, was the transition easy? You're getting ready for one opponent, then you stop and you got to get ready for another. I mean, is it just you got more prep time now, you know, because again, we're in weird times here. No, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, yeah, we got, I think we got that call, what, Tuesday or whatever it was. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was last week. And of course, immediately, you, you know, you, you know, you're prepared for, you know, FIU and all of a sudden, bang, that's done and you get ready to start ready for, because you got to give them a couple of days, not off, but where we didn't actually practice. And, you know, but is, you know, like I say, we've got to, we, you know, and I've said it a thousand times. I mean, we got to control what we can control. Uh, unfortunately, the FIU game was canceled. Fortunately for us, uh, we're excited that UMass is coming to town and uh, we have another game. If, if, if uh, you know, Mike and David Steele and UMass didn't agree to play this game, hell, we'd be sitting here again, you know, waiting to go play middle next week. So it's, I think it's a great opportunity for us and, you know, playing an excellent program in UMass and uh, we're excited about it. Doc, I know you've spent a lot of time over the years talking about special teams, and, and it did seem like UMass struggled in special teams against Georgia Southern a couple couple times that Georgia Southern really flipped the field to take a big lead early and, and put that game away. Is that especially critical this week? Well, it always does. I mean, special teams always are, you know, play a critical part of any game because it changes the field position. And uh, so it'll be, you know, it'll be big in this game here as well as the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, we work really hard in that area. We spend probably more time than anybody in the country on special teams. And our coaches do a great job of preparing our kids. And I think the one thing that we've done this year uh, is we've spent a lot more time getting younger players, you know, prepared to play special teams. You know, a lot of people, well, you just go out there and run down on the kickoff, but that's really not the case. I mean, you got, you know, you got coach the speed zone and the, hard head zone and when to throw by and when not to overrun the ball. And a lot of things those kids have, young players have to learn. So when you get the opportunity to go in there and play, they understand what to do. And same thing with kickoff return with the, with the different techniques and fundamentals are involved, <coughs> excuse me, in all special teams. You know, we spend a lot of time with young players more so this year than ever, getting more players ready to go. So hopefully that'll pay off. I know that your receiver core has been kind of, 
you know, banged up over the last few weeks. Do you expect to get, you know, anybody back, especially after a couple of weeks off? Well, I think, I think with the exception of Brock, you know, we'll have them all back. And, uh, you know, the, the thing I'm excited about with that group is, you know, we, there's no doubt, I mean, against uh, La Tech, we lost all three of them, you know, and uh, or after La Tech or whatever. And, you know, we had some other kids come in there and, and step up and make plays, which was great to see and see some young kids getting better. So, you know, I think for the most part, we'll be as healthy this week as we've been in a while. Got two questions for you, Coach. One, how do you what do you see in the UMass tape that is is a challenge, and how difficult is it to prepare for them? Well, I think uh, number one, you know, they they deserve an awful lot of credit because they've totally revamped that roster. I mean, you look at that team from what it was a year ago to what we saw last week. There's totally different roster. Uh, Players are all totally different, and from a personnel standpoint, they're a lot, lot better than what they were a year ago. So that's a credit to that staff and what they've done. And you know, it's the same old deal when you're preparing for a lot of, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in first games, and this will be a lot of unknowns from a personnel standpoint as well as a scheme standpoint. So, you know, like I said, we just got to do a great job about us being prepared as a football team and as a coaching staff to make adjustments quick and, and do what we do really well. The other question is, what are your weekly COVID preparations like? What do you guys, what do you all do as far as testing and trying to keep your guys safe? Well, we have, we have a policy within our conference, just like SEC and everybody else does. We test three times a week, you know, and, uh, you know, we probably, we not probably, we test as much as anybody. We've got the same protocols as far as return to play that everybody else in the country has as well, ACC, whatever. So, you know, I know Mike Hamrick, uh, our athletic director, Beatrice, and, and our staff have done just a tremendous job, along with our doctors, of doing everything we can possibly do, you know, to stay as safe as we possibly can and uh, keep this thing going. For the most part during your tenure, it's been, you know, three, four non-conference games and then roll into conference play, and it's conference basically throughout the rest of the season. Is there any type of uh, difficulty going from conference play and being in that mindset to go in non-conference? Yeah, it shouldn't be with our football team right now. I mean, we got really high expectations and, and standards and goals. And, you know, I think, I think, you know what, I think this year, Grant, I think our kids are just so damn happy when they get the chance to play a game. You know, I mean, they're excited, you know, when they get a chance to play. And uh, this Saturday we got another opportunity and uh, I'm sure they'll be excited to go play again. So, you know, they've had a week off and they're ready to go again. Easy, coach, to talk to get your players to not think about that ranking and just think about a team that's only won one game in its last two years. Well, I think uh, you know. I think number one, you know, I tell our kids every week. You know, every every week, you, know, you guys are going to pick up the paper or whatever you pick up and ESPN, whatever, and somebody's going to get beat. You shouldn't. I mean, it happens every weekend. It happened last weekend. It's going to happen this weekend. You got to make sure it's not you. And if you got a mature football team. You know, there's no quite the most prepared team always wins. And uh, that being said, uh, we got to make sure that, uh, you know, we're the most prepared football team. And uh, I guarantee you, any, any player that, uh, you, you know, this game, you can't play by going out there and just kicking off the ball or whatever. You better have your, you better be prepared to play the game or you'll get beat. And uh, we do, uh, hopefully, we, you know, we'll do a great job of making sure our kids understand that. Is there any other advantage to having, uh, you know, going some of these weeks and not playing almost like, look, almost like, do you look at this as a buy in a way? 
Well, I think the only advantage you have is if you got a couple guys nicked up, you have a chance of getting them back totally healthy, you know, and <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. But after that, you know, after the last game you know, against Florida Atlantic and, you know, I think, I think you, you saw last week after what Florida Atlantic did to UTSA, they're, they're a pretty solid football team. You know, they've lost two games and going on two years now, and both of them were to Marshall. So, uh, you know, we felt going in that was a pretty solid team, and, and I think they have a solid team. So there were some people banged up, beat up a little bit, but if there is an advantage at all, it's you got a chance to get guys back and, and totally healthy. So I think that's happened. How healthy is everyone at the moment? Well, right now they're pretty healthy, so hope we get through a couple more days, we'll be fine. I mean, he's got a point. They're pretty healthy because they haven't played in a while. I would be pretty healthy, too, if I had the opportunity. I think that's helped the herd a lot in managing injuries. You get a lot of injuries and you get banged up through the course of the season, and I'm sure that's helped with some load management and just getting some guys reps, but at the same time being able to heal up a little bit better. You're going to need that. You're going to have several weeks if everything goes well where you're not going to have any time off. You're going to have to have several games at home at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. You might have a road game if the makeup game is announced with Rice. I'm anticipating a makeup date with Rice and, of course, also an FIU makeup date. So you've, you've got a couple of games you've got to contend with. One will be on the road. I don't see Conference USA letting Marshall skate by without a couple of makeups. And honestly, the rest of the conference is going to be scrambling as well. That's why you push the championship game back a couple of weeks. And all Marshall has to do is win out, and Marshall will be hosting the championship game at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. When we continue, we're going to hear from Dan D'Antoni, get his thoughts as basketball continues without a game. But the herd did scrimmage, and I'll tell you this right now, Dan's got to work on one thing. The D is missing from Dan Tony. We'll talk about that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our phone lines this hour are brought to you by Miller Lite, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Paul Swan, your host for today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've got Dan D'Antoni coming up here in just a moment. We'll get his thoughts and his uh, presser. Thundering Herd basketball we think will get underway sooner than December 31st. Don't know, however, just because of the fact that this non-conference schedule's not been released. It's going to be a fluid thing. I have... uh, no idea if the 54 versions of it that I have glimpsed at will be even close to what it really looks like. So right now we're just up in the air as far as the non-conference schedule is concerned. The conference schedule, however, looks pretty locked as we start things December 31st and January 2nd at La Tech. So Dan D'Antoni starting to get accustomed to these weekly get-togethers. Here's Dan talking about his team getting ready for whenever the season starts in his weekly Zoom meeting and keep an ear on how the scrimmage went. We can't attend these things, so we're going to have to take Dan's word. And one thing's certain, the team can score. Is the D gone from Dan Tony? We had a scrimmage Saturday, 106 to 105, so either we're real good offense or we can't play a lick of defense. I can't figure it out. It's fun. So, but – you know, without three starters, we didn't, or possible starters, three rotate players for sure. 
Jansen, Jared, and Iron scored 106 points. <laughs> Pretty good. I'd say. Pretty good. I know that um, you know you you mentioned those scrimmages, and obviously you all can't really have exhibitions and things like that. How much are you all leaning on those to to get things rocking this year? Well, I mean, we're we're going to try to replicate uh, playing someone else, obviously, but we'll be playing ourselves, and uh, we'll do two or three, four to get ready for the uh, first game. Probably, if we had exhibitions, we'd maybe do two. We'll probably be doing three or four to take care of the exhibition. Well, I've got to ask you, you got the three new pieces with, uh, you know, um, Abina and David and CJ. How did they look? Their first real I think, honest I stuff. think David had 35 points, uh, 35 points, eight rebounds. Seven steals, not seven steals, seven assists. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, Abina had 21, 11, and seven. You know, Tavion was Tavion, very efficient, had 20 some points and nine or 10 rebounds and seven or eight assists. Uh, Andy played a real good ball game, didn't shoot it well. He was one for 10 from threes, but he was five for seven from twos. And, and was uh, really good at speeding and propelling our offense. Uh, uh, you know, they all, George was, you know, at 18, 19 points. And, uh, when, when you score 106, everybody, you only had six players on one team, seven, six on the other. So, you know, when you have that fewer players play a 105, 106 game, Everybody's got nice offensive stats. So we'll see how that translates. Did you say Obina had seven block shots? How I, I don't you know, right off the hand, I think that was seven block shots, yeah. Well talk about you know, talking about Obina a little bit, you've known you've seen for the last two or three years state tournament the energy level that he brings and the excitement that, that he sort of brings to a, a crowd at the Charleston Civic Center. What type of energy does he bring to a high-motor team like yours? Well, the good thing about him is he's a student of the game. So he is constantly learning. He uh, he picks up really easily from the coaching. He, he can adjust and adapt to his play, to what's called for and what's needed. Uh, so that that's – to me, that is the greatest ability a person can have is the ability to be coached and to be able to adjust and adapt one's own personal game to fit whatever situation that he's involved with. So that that foremost speaks a lot of him. Uh, Energy-wise, uh, I guess one play typified that he uh, got a rebound off the board. He outran everybody down the floor, laid it up on the other end. So he uh, – High motor, good defensively off the ball and on the ball. And, uh, you know, he's going to make us better. And uh, that's why we recruited him. So, and hopefully he's going to get that done. You mentioned the guys that were out. Is that just precautionary stuff or 
Andrew well, Bell. Iron went back, his uh, uh, granddad died, and he went back for his funeral. Uh, Jansen had uh, a migraine. And Jared, Jared, I forgot, Jared's body, he just was feeling sore. He said his hams were uh, tight, and he, he had sprained his ankle a little bit, and we were just giving it time to make sure he's completely well. But he should be okay today. Uh, Tavion's feeling a little bit under the weather today, so probably won't practice, maybe get his test back. But now if you just run your nose runs a little bit, you know, we'll see. Coach, given the, I guess, lack of defense or offensive explosion, depending on how you look at that scrimmage, what, what else have you learned from this team in that scrimmage itself on Saturday? Well, everybody except one person is in shape to run the game. And we got to get him in shape if that's possible. <laughs> we'll see. But I got to get Big Gorin where he can go up and down the floor a little bit longer than what he does. Now, he dominated in the second half for about six minutes. He just dominated the game at his size. And of course, we were playing small head buyers and Obina on the inside. And his size was a factor for six minutes in that second half but uh he gets you know he gets tired but you know that's okay we're pretty deep you know he did get about a seven minute run which is not bad it's where he was running up and down and active but i think we learned we're in good shape uh we can run the course of the game shot uh 56 percent from uh twos 38 percent from threes so we can put it in the basket, and that's with Andy going one for ten from threes, which won't happen very often. And uh, so we put the ball in the basket when we had to and when you were open. Uh, Andy is moving the ball, our offense. We were running. We executed our plays pretty well, so they're getting that down pretty good. Defensively, we got some work to do, but, you know, the, the bones are there. We just got to try to – make sure they execute on the little things that make the, you know, it's like a house. If your bones are good, you got a good house, but if you don't decorate it, it doesn't look good. So we're going to have to decorate our defense a little bit and uh, to where we put the finishing touches on it. But uh, no, everything, everything was there. I, I asked Corny what he thought and he said, uh, shows you that everybody here is a lot better. So we'll see what happens. Uh, have you recently, I, I guess, spoke with your brother at all since he, uh, you know, joined the Nets or anything like that? How much contact you been with him? Yeah, I got on his butt. I told him I go. He, he was worried about the rent in New York, and I said, "Well, how you doing?" He said, "Well, I chartered a uh, jet to get there." I go, "Shut up, then." <laughs> I said, "What are you worried about rent for? <laughs> if you can afford a jet?" So uh, now I, I, he he. Uh, I think he, he wanted to stay around the game. You know, it's Antonio's, it's, it's kind of in our blood. We're not very exciting people. So, you know, we don't do anything. Well, he does especially. I might be a little bit on the other side. But he doesn't uh, do anything that outside of basketball. And that's his life. And, you know, he's got a chance to enjoy it. I, you know, I talked to him. He's going back with uh, – a guy that was a big part of his success. Two of them, really. Mari's there, too. And uh, He and Nigel really a natural. 
I, I think so. You know? And and, and uh, you know, Amari is there too. I, you know, they all had a real good uh, relationships with each other, and uh, you know, shoot, you're blessed. He's lucky. You know, he's lucky that he can continue doing what he's doing. I don't care when you're involved uh, at something that uh, you love to do, and you know, you know, he's he's just fortunate, and and I'm glad he had that opportunity. I just congratulated him and said, you know, you got a chance to enjoy it. Go, go enjoy, enjoy it, and then see what happens. I, I think he still wants to coach. He wants to be a head coach. And by being, you know, there, he keeps his name in the mix and keeps the connections. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he'll be available if uh, they, somebody who needs a real good coach, he's available. So we'll see what happens. There's Dan D'Antoni lobbying for another NBA head coaching job for his brother. Of course, taking an assistant job is not a bad move, especially if it's the right situation. That's Dan D'Antoni, his presser earlier this afternoon. It goes in different directions, as you can tell. Dan's a pretty... He would go probably another 10 minutes if he didn't have to go over to uh, the, the court and get ready for practice and everything else involved. But Dan... Enjoying at least uh, life at this moment, as you could tell. When we continue, we're going to talk about the thing I enjoyed yesterday. The Bengals getting a victory. They're now 2-5-1. and one. How about that? 2-5-1. and one. I know it's the little things, right, that make you happy? That's one of them. We'll talk about it when we continue on today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel. On the drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9:30. And it is a safe drive, let me tell you that. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back. It's the drive. Monday, November 2nd edition on ESPN 94.1 and AM 9:30. Yesterday, if you watched the Bengals game, you had Sunday ticket because it wasn't shown locally. But of course, we got you covered. We have the Bengals for you every Sunday or the rare Monday, or the rare Thursday matchup. We have it for you right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. How many of you got the free NFL Sunday ticket? If you got DirecTV, how many of you got that letter? I got that letter. And I've been fortunate because yesterday you had the Browns on, you had the Steelers, Ravens, and the poor Bengals, odd team out, but... It was a good game. I got to watch it. I saw Joe Burrow look better than last week. I thought Joe Burrow, he's showing why he is a home run for the Bengals. If they can find weapons for him, they being the Bengals, if the Bengals can keep him upright and find a solid defense, I think Burrow is going to be able to lead this team back to respectability, winning seasons, heck, playoff runs. You don't know. He was um, he was pretty good. I thought he was pretty good in that game. 26 of 37, 249 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's important. And you got an offense that doesn't have Joe Mixon, so you can't use that as your safety valve. Giovanni Bernard. I thought it was a good game. I thought the relationship between Burrow and, and T. Higgins, that seems to be growing well. I mean, he's becoming a favorite target of his. 
And when you have a quarterback that goes out when the play's busted and makes good decisions, remember, he he extended some plays, especially first quarter, it was third and five, and you see Burrow scrambling, and he just lofts a pass, just throws it up there, and he finds T. Higgins, 24-yard gain, that's the thing that you want to see from this team. You want to see the quarterback change the dynamic, and that's what Burrow's been able to do. I mean, this kid's a winner. This kid's a winner, and this is probably the toughest stretch of his career, but it's the phase in which you get ready, welcome to the NFL, you get introduced to the NFL, and at the same time, I think he's making the team better. And that offensive line, this was, where were these guys? Who, who were these guys? You put together this thing piecemeal last minute, like, okay, here's who we got. Here's your job. Keep this guy upright. Make some holes for the running backs. Can you, can you do that? And I thought the offense – I mean, this is not a game against a bad team we're talking about here. This isn't like the Philadelphia Eagles here. This isn't like the Washington Redskins. You're not playing bad teams. You're, you're playing a team that lost once. Tennessee Titans are a pretty good team. And they got their yardage on the ground. Don't don't get me wrong. There were some times where you thought, okay, this thing could fall apart, but the Bengals held their composure. They went down to the red zone. They made plays. They got scores. How many games have they lost that have been tight? You think, oh, well, they should have had that. If only this, if only that. They should have had that. The record could be a lot better. I mean, this team record-wise could be a lot better than it is. It's okay, though. You're moving toward the future. You're trying to build this team into a contender and take some pressure off right now because you're sitting here thinking, okay, when do you start seeing some positive results here? And, hey, some guys showed up too. Auden Tate, that was a great performance. Where would that come from? Seven targets, 65 yards, had a 15-yard grab at the end of the game. You might see him on the on the on the field more, and of course, uh, as any uh, respecting fantasy football owner would tell you, you got to own somebody from your team. And of course, you know I got Tyler Boyd on my team. Two rush attempts, nine rush yards, seven targets, six receptions, sixty-seven yards, and he gets a touchdown. 13.60 according to Yahoo scoring. I'll take that every day. Uh, by the way, I made a bad mistake. My fantasy team, I picked up Baker Mayfield. I'm thinking, okay, I need a backup quarterback. I, I need one, and I'm not sure if Cam's going to come through for me. So I pick up Baker. Cam was my backup. Kyler Murray's my quarterback on my team. So I'm picking up Baker. I'm thinking, all right, Baker, he's going to get me some yardage. And I also, like a fool, pick up Rashard Higgins, another brownie. I pick up two brownies on my team. And let me tell you, terrible decision on my part. Mayfield had only 7.78 points register on Yahoo scoring. And Higgins, I got 1.40 points out of him. That's it. That's it. Higgins had three targets, 14 yards receiving. Thanks for nothing. Baker was 122 passing yards, six rushing attempts, 29 rushing yards. Thank you for nothing. 
it all gets back to normal next week because, well, I get my quarterback back for next week. Again, I wisely picked Kyler Murray. It's turned out okay for me. You know why? You know what his season rank is on Yahoo? One. I'm doing all right. My team's not too terrible. I picked up a couple of weeks ago. Travis Fulgram, it's been a good pickup for me on fantasy. My my wide receivers are are coming through for me, really. Tyreek Hill had a great game. Uh, I was a little worried about Allen Robinson the second. He came through for me. Of course, uh, I, I didn't want him to, to win the game for the Titans, but I wanted Derrick Henry to have a good game. He did. He came through for me. Uh, and, of course, uh, anybody on Vegas or Cleveland did not come through for me in this. But uh, Tyler Board came through me for me as well. Um, I now have the I now have the hope that the defense of Tampa Bay will get me some points because I did not start the Colts and they netted 15 points. And there you have it. That's all the fantasy talk you're going to get for this week. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again on election night. Don't worry, we won't get political. That stuff happens after the show. Enjoy the rest of your evening, everyone. Flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.